Father, we thank you for this time we've had together again today to study your word and to learn how to help one another through difficult times in our lives. We pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct us and that we would see in Scripture anew uh, how you speak to us and how you help us through these difficult situations. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this book, but it's called uh, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And uh, it's written uh, by a pastor in Indianapolis called uh, Mark Vrogop, I guess. And uh, he pastors an independent church there. Um, He went to Grand Rapids, Michigan Seminary. And uh, he had a personal problem in his own life that led him look into deeper how God helps us through adversity. And briefly, his story was that he and his wife um, were expecting their third child. And all of a sudden, right near term, the mother didn't feel the baby moving anymore. And so the baby died and was born shortly thereafter. And so they went through a period of deep grief. You know, why me, Lord? Why did you allow this beautiful little baby to die? And how do we handle this? And so he started searching through the scriptures, which included, you know, obviously lamentations. But what he discovered is that this is everywhere in the Bible. And so that there is a biblical response to this. And his premise was that... um, The modern church in general does not prepare any of us for how to handle adversity. We all have our little Bible verses or our little um, sayings that we give to people. But sometimes we inadvertently say hurtful things because we don't know what to say. And, uh, you know, you remember Job when he had his three friends. And at first they were silent, which was probably the best thing. But when they did speak, that wasn't very helpful at all. And I think sometimes that happens to all of us. We don't mean to cause further pain to whoever's going through sorrow, but it does happen. And, um, you know, personally, I remember when I was a teenager, my dad uh, was an elder in the Presbyterian Church, but he came down uh, with severe cancer, um, and he experienced a prolonged painful death when I was a teenager. And I remember at the funeral, there were those people who had the right thing to say. But then there were others who said things like, be a man, hold your head high, don't cry. And, you know, that that was inadvertently painful, you know, but I still remember that. And I think we've all had experiences like that where people can be either very helpful, but sometimes they say things that I don't think they meant to be painful, but they didn't know what to say. So that brings us to a study on this book. And um, I don't think this guy is off base at all. Um, When you look at the Reformation Study Bible, and you look under the Bible Commentary on Lamentations, the outline that he gives here is also done by other theologians, including the Reformation Study Bible that there is a process that God helps us through adversity. And um, so 
I think this is not good just for the leaders of the church, but each person individually, because we all come into contact with people uh, that need help. And, you know, what do you say to someone who's mourning, and how do you help them? And so we'll go through this. Um, it's also a study on lamentations, but the first part of the book really just sets the stage of what the, the process is and how we can see throughout Scripture how God can help us through these problems. So first of all, we have to define, well, what's lament? That's kind of a weird, weird word. And as you can see on your handout, that lament is usually used as a noun. It's an expression of sorrow, grief, or regret. Um, but it also can be a verb that he lamented. Um, he, you know, he was sorrowful. And... Um, so what is biblical lament? Well, as you can see on your handout, really a good summary that I think puts it all together is that it's prayer in pain that leads to trust in God's provision. So um, as you can see, there are several books in the Bible that deal with this. And obviously, Lamentations, which Truthfully, whenever I've read it, I go, well, I don't know how that relates to me today, but it was based um, on the fall of Jerusalem and Judah to the Babylonians and presumed to be written by Jeremiah about 500-some B.C. And these are five different poems that deal with the sorrow and hope for resolution uh, of the exile of uh, Judah. And it was related more to national, national sin. Remember, they had idolatry, and they turned from God. They didn't follow God's law. But then the book of Job is more about personal suffering and the sovereignty of God. And as you can remember, Job said, you know, the Lord takes, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he went through all kinds of adversity. And the final part where we're going to concentrate today is interestingly the Psalms. And the author points out that at least one-third of the Psalms have examples of lament, biblical lament. So in other words, it's got to be pretty important, you know, if David and other people had this. And what can we learn from them? And what is the process of how we uh, actually begin to lament? And why it's important is that if we don't deal with our sorrow in an appropriate way, such as the loss of a loved one like the baby who died before birth, if we don't deal with it, it can lead to bitterness, anger, depression, or sometimes even lead to unbelief. People turn away from God. They get angry at God. And so it's something that has to be dealt with. Uh, as a physician, we had very little... Well, some training in this. Uh, but back in the day, there was a Swiss psychiatrist named um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And she wrote a famous book called On Death and Dying. And this was in the 1980s, I believe. And she had interviewed like 20,000 people before they died and about what the process was that they and their family went through. And found that there were several stages of, of grieving um, first, a lot of people have denial. This can't be happening. And then anger. Why is it happening to me? And then bargaining with God. Well, you know, I'll, I'll change my ways if you just let uh, this loved one survive. Uh, 
And then a lot of times people go into depression. Just, I just can't get over this. I don't know what to do. And then finally come to acceptance. However, it's been shown that that's not true for everybody. Not everybody goes through all those stages. Uh, but the most common two things that happen to people is they're angry. Why did this happen to me? And then they are somewhat depressed. So when you deal with people who have problems, you have to realize that they're not angry at you or, you know, they're just going through a rough time and that's how they deal with adversity. So, you know, what is the biblical plan? And you can see here the pattern is, first of all, as a Christian, the response is, we need to turn to God in prayer, talk to God, our Heavenly Father. And sometimes uh, that takes uh, a little resolution on the part of the person involved. Um, the worst thing you can do is be silent to God and turn away from God. But we actually, the first step is just turn to God in prayer. And interestingly, the second step is it's all right to complain to God. Why did this happen to me? How could this have happened? Um, and we'll, we'll go through all these different stages in a little more detail in the lesson today. And then after you share your burden with the Lord, you start to remember and trust what he has done and what his character is. And then you come to a resolution of truly trusting him for the outcome, however long that takes. And for most of us, you know, we would like it to be done tomorrow, but it often takes, takes a while. And that's where the, the church body comes in, that we need to help one another through these difficult times. And sometimes this only takes a few weeks, sometimes it takes months, but it is possible to, uh, to come out on the other side with a deeper trust in God's provision. And it helps us grow in maturity. You know, look what happened to Job. Oh, my goodness, you know. He was a little arrogant, a little prideful. Yeah, I'm a good person. But he realized, man, this is all about God. This isn't about me. And what can I learn through all this? And none of us like to be... Um, trained in how to handle adversity, I guess, but it's a necessary part of our broken life because of the fall. So to begin with, um, we'll look at one of the Psalms that really shows a good example of how this happens. And um, Psalm 77 is, is, is really a good Psalm. So if we could turn in our Bibles to Psalm 77 and you can kind of follow follow along and you can see the pattern and, and I was amazed you know when you read a lot of these psalms you go well yeah he, he was upset about something but actually it's there for a purpose you know because it shows the process of how you talk to God when you're experiencing difficulties so in Psalm 77 you know verses 1 and 2 we see um, that they cry out to God I cry aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. And it gives the image of stretching out to God in prayer, on your knees, lifting your hands, and asking for help. And my soul refuses to be comforted. And when I remember God, I moan. 
And when I meditate, my spirit faints. You can see the utter anguish of the author of the psalm. And he's talking to God. I'm just, I'm so distressed. I don't know what to do. So I, I'm, I'm talking to you. And so then we see the next step in verses 3 through 9. <clears throat> that he begins to complain to God. You know, um, verse 4, you hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled, I can't speak. I don't know what to do. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. And my spirit made a diligent search. And this is where the real complaint comes in. Will the Lord spurn forever? And never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Wow. That says a lot, doesn't it? But that's okay. You know, you're just talking to your Heavenly Father. You're not angry at him. You're just expressing... Um, your complaint and your feeling of suffering and being alone and, and not knowing how this is going to turn around. So then we go on, verse 10. Look at this. There's a turn requesting help from God. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. Wow. So after complaining, <clears throat> he starts to ask for help. And he says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders, and you have made your night, and you have made known your might among the peoples. So here you see that he's putting his trust, he's remembering the character of God and what God has done in the past. And that's, you know, you see that throughout scripture is remember what I have done for you and how it's recounted over and over. Uh, remember, remember. And that helps you come to trust in God's provision because God is always faithful. And the last few verses kind of go on that he remembers the redemption of Israel and how God worked the exodus and from them getting out of slavery into redemption. So then he goes on that with your arm, you redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. And when the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water and the skies gave forth thunder. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind and your lightnings lighted up the world and the earth trembled. trembled. Remember the pillar and cloud of fire. You know, he's talking about God's presence as the, the sea parted and as they walked across the ground and God was before them and that he was their redeemer. 
yet your ways, your way through the sea and your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen, and you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Pretty amazing. So you can see the, the obvious progression of utter agony, turning to God in prayer, um, complaining to God, then beginning to remember and trust in the character and mightiness of God and um, trusting for resolution. So, uh, how does that apply to us? I mean, you know, this was great in the Old Testament, but so what do we do today? Don't we do the same thing? We can remember that we need to turn to God in prayer and that it's okay to complain. And I think that's the one thing that, that we've forgotten, that it's okay to talk to God and express your sorrow, and, um, but it's not okay to be angry at God or to be full of pride that, and be self-righteous, but humbly come before him in prayer and, and just express your concerns. And um, there's numerous psalms. As you, as I kind of thumbed through a lot of the psalms this week, and it's amazing. It's, it really is everywhere. You know, different situations, and you can think of like David and Bathsheba. You know, well, that was related to his personal sin, but he still cried out to God for help and for resolution. And um, so for the Christian, you know, instead of the redemption through the Red Sea, we think of what Christ did for us and how God sent his son to die for our sins. And um, if you want to flip over to um, what is Romans, yeah. Let's see. Romans say, you know, very familiar verses. But Romans 8, 36 through 39. <clears throat> but as it starts out though have you ever noticed that the quote from the Old Testament it's kind of a lament it's, from, it's taken from Psalms you know for your sake we're being killed all day long we're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered but then Paul follows it through says, no, that's not right. For in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So... Obviously, those are amazing verses in the New Testament that really, no matter what we go through, nothing can separate us from God's love. And we need to turn to him in prayer. And it's okay to express our sorrow and our complaints. And um, I'll, I'll leave time for any comments or, or thoughts right now, but... Has anybody experienced um, 
the ability to use scripture to express your complaints to God? Have you ever prayed some of those psalms or some of those verses? Yeah, me either. <laughs> but I think that is an important, important concept, that it's okay to complain to God and to share your sorrow with him. And um, that's part of dealing with your pain and just talking to your heavenly father about what's going on in your life but then turning in trust and realizing that he'll take care of you. So then you can see here in the mid section um, that biblical complaint. These are some, some quotes. It's based on those who believe in God's sovereignty, but who live in a broken, sinful world. And it's often associated with questions that begin with, with why or how or just expressing frustration. You know, I, why do the bad people keep having a good life and I follow you and I, I'm going through all this? It's not fair. Where are you, Lord? Why, why, why is this happening? And so the author makes a good point, which I think is true, is that we shouldn't approach God with anger because that means we're prideful. <laughs> we don't know the whole situation. And we shouldn't come with pride and be self-righteous because we're all sinners and we're all fallen. And it's only because of what God's done for us um, that we have even the ability to bring our cares to God and what, you know, that we've been redeemed. But then there's an interesting situation where sometimes we're in so much anguish that... Um, we don't even know what to pray. What do I do? I don't even know how to begin. What do I say to God? You know, I am so distressed. What do I do? Well, interestingly, Romans 8, earlier in that chapter, we have the Holy Spirit. And so there's those famous verses that we sometimes forget. Romans 8:26 Likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray as we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words and he who searches hearts knows what the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God wow what a promise. So just having a prayerful attitude and being in so much anguish, but we just know, ask the Holy Spirit to intervene. Help me to know, Lord, how to handle this problem. And with groanings even, the Holy Spirit can intercede for you before the Father. You know, that's just an amazing promise. And there's really nothing that can happen that God can't help us with, even if you don't know what to say to God. And... Um, because he says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So, um, and we remember, you know, in John 16 and 17, that God, Jesus promised that there would be problems in the world, right? And he left the helper, the Holy Spirit, to help us through our situations. 
And we have to always remember that the Holy Spirit is there to help us, even if we do not know how to pray. And maybe he'll bring to mind even certain Bible verses that would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Job didn't see the big picture yeah. till the end. <laughs> it's to strengthen our faith yeah. in many ways without us having a clear concept yeah. of really why we are experiencing what we are. Yeah. It's a difficult part of the Christian life. Very difficult, yeah. Yeah, and that's why we need each other. Yeah, to encourage each other and to help each other. And often you can bond with somebody who's gone through a very similar situation. It's, it's easier to be empathetic to somebody when you've actually gone through the same problem. And, um, you know, maybe that's possibly partly why we go through things is to be of help to our brothers and sisters who are going through the same thing. But... Um, Right. So some of the psalms are kind of like a sandwich, I think. They start out praising the Lord, then there's that struggle that's expressed, and then at the end, it's that, what I would claim is like the stake, put that stake in the ground saying, I'm going to trust you, praise the Lord. Yeah. So that's an example, as an example for us. Yeah, that's great. Does anybody have a favorite psalm that they've used during? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I must admit, I truthfully, I haven't read the psalms as a personal ap application, but after reading this book, it, it really is amazing. You can see how a lot of these things really could apply to each one of us and that we could be comforted. And I think that's why we like, partly why we like to read the psalms, you know, because they always tend to end on a positive, <laughs> a positive note. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then promises. So that's one of your favorites, yeah? Yes. Yeah. That's good. So, um, well, anyway, you know, another problem is, you know, well, what do you ask for? 
when you turn to God, I mean, so how do I ask? What, what do I ask for? And um, so he makes a, a good point here. He says, ask boldly, and we turn from ourselves to rely on God to act according to his character. We know God is consistent always and does not do anything outside his character. And so we confidently ask for things that are in accordance with his will. And um, so here are this is not meant to be an exhaustive list, but I thought we could look at, you know, here's nine examples of, of things we could, we could ask for. So, you know, if we look at Psalm 10, um, I can find 10 here. <clears throat> so the psalmist in Psalm 10, verse 12 says, Arise, O Lord, lift up your hand and forget not the afflicted. You know, Lord, act. You know, do something. <laughs> you know, act in accordance with your power and will. And sometimes we just have a very generic need to, we just, we just need help. I don't know what it is, but please grant us help. And we see that in Psalm 60. Verses 11 and 12. O oh, grant us help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of man. With God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. Lord, I'm depending on you for help. It's not my own efforts that are going to succeed. Um, just take care of us and grant us help. And then sometimes we reflect on the promise. Go ahead, Roger. Oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> then we just remember sometimes the promises of God or the covenant of God and, uh, you know, ask for God to, to remember that, what he promised for us. And it can be, uh, remember your covenant, Psalm 25, 6. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember, we always talk about the steadfast love of, of God and how his mercy is not never-ending. And go ahead, J.D. I think it's Spurgeon who said his favorite passage was, and it's repeated a number of times through the Old Testament, is, I am your God and you are my people. Yes. And that's a great confirmation of the covenant. Yeah. Nothing can separate us from that. Right. Nothing. Right. It goes back to Romans, yeah. Yeah. And we need to always remember that. Yeah. And see how this can be an encouragement to us when we deal with our neighbor who's maybe experiencing the loss of a loved one? Just remember, you know, 
the steadfast love of God and his mercy and that he is always with us in spite of everything. And sometimes we feel like we're unjustly charged or that somebody's been unfair to us or we're going through things we really shouldn't have to. It's because of someone else's sin. <laughs> so, you know, we, we cry out for justice, and we see that in Psalm 83. <clears throat> 16 through 18. Fill their faces with shame, that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace, that they may know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. Whoa, that's a pretty bold asking, isn't it? It almost seems, almost mean-spirited. <laughs> Just take care of them, Lord. <laughs> You know, I've been, um, but you can see that it brings glory to God. It's in accordance with God's will. You know, they're just asking that something be done and justice will be preserved. It doesn't, it's not really mean-spirited. And then, of course, number five, a lot of our problems are because of our own sins, believe it or not. <laughs> and sometimes we get into trouble and need to ask for forgiveness. And so... You know, Psalm 51 is the famous psalm, you know, where David and Bathsheba and all that mess. And he's asking for forgiveness and don't remember our sins. <clears throat> um, psalm 51.1, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. And we see the same thing in Psalm 79. See if we can find that. Verses 8 and 9. Don't remember against us our former iniquities, and let your compassion come speedily to meet us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sins, for your name's sake. So sometimes that's what we need to ask for is forgiveness because we've gotten ourselves in a mess and that's why we're suffering. And then sometimes we just feel worn down from what's happened to us and feel like we need to be spiritually, emotionally, and physically renewed and ask for restoration. And we see that on Psalm 80, verse 3. <clears throat> restore us, O God, and let your face shine that we may be saved. Just lift us up again, and we just pray for restoration. And then sometimes we feel like God's being silent and our, our prayers aren't being answered. And we pray to God that, that you would listen to me. But interestingly, sometimes it's because we're not listening to him. <laughs> but in any event, you know, that, that's our our cry to God and our asking. And so we see in Psalm 28, verses 
verses 1 and 2. To you, O Lord, I call my rock. Don't be deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy, and when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your holy sanctuary. So that's an example of sometimes a prayer that we don't know what to pray. Maybe the Holy Spirit would give you this verse. You know, I don't know what to pray, Lord, but please listen to me. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to do. And then sometimes we need to learn from God through this situation. And, and how can I learn through this, God, and teach me? And we see that in Psalm 143, uh, verse 10. <clears throat> Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. And then, <clears throat> number nine, sometimes we feel like we've been unjustly accused and uh, we need vindication. I didn't do anything wrong. Why, why, you know, why is this happening to me? And so there's a psalm for that as well. Psalm 35. 23 and 24. Awake and rouse yourself from my vindication, for my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Hmm. So, those are examples. That's not to be exhaustive, but nine common examples of, of things that we commonly ask for. And they're all scriptural. You know, it's, it's okay to ask God for help according to his word. And that helps in the healing process and leading to trust. So that, if you turn your page over, the, the final thing is trust. And so there's a psalm for that too. You know, we have to choose trust. And trust is sometimes just active patience, waiting upon the Lord to fulfill his promises. And promises do give purpose to the pain. Okay. And so we see in Psalm 13, verses 5 and 6. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So you see the three key words or phrases in this psalm. We can always remember God's steadfast love, what he has done for us through our salvation, and what he continues to do through the gift of the Holy Spirit and the word. He's dealt bountifully with me and giving me everything I need to succeed and to become more righteous in his sight. And... Um, There are some other. God, I think trust comes in with prayers that we've prayed for years. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. You just keep trusting that maybe God will answer that after you're already gone or will follow to the next generation. Yeah. Okay. So. What does your expression mean here? Promises to purposes Um. That God is at work refining us and making us more Christ-like. It's part of sanctification. That we're on the road and we're temporarily going through pain possibly, but there's a purpose to make us more Christ-like in accordance with God's sovereignty and God's will. Kind of like Job, which we get to again, Job 42, (laughs) where Job says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Yep. And uh, this guy uh, is in Indianapolis, and I guess that's not too far from where John Piper is, but John Piper was a friend of this pastor and counseled him. And... um, He wrote a note that he shared in the book that Joan Piper said, keep trusting the one who keeps you trusting, which is kind of a neat little summary of what what to do. So anyway, that's all I had today, but I hope it's been helpful to you. I thought it was an amazing study, and I would encourage you to read the book or, or get into the Psalms more or... Or use some of these to begin with. Uh, the other half of the book deals with lamentations, uh, which we can study later at a separate study. But this kind of sets the background of how we all can benefit from learning how to biblically lament, you know, trusting God when we go through periods of adversity through prayer. So well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time we've had together. We thank you for your word and how you revealed to us the biblical concept of lament and how to come to you in prayer, trusting you for the outcome, and that it's okay to complain about what's going on, but to remember what you've done and who you are and trusting you for the outcome always, no matter what the situation. And we pray your blessing on today. In Jesus' name, amen.